you really shouldn't build a company to what a VC would want. I think you really want to build a company that you or a product that you are really passionate about, that you believe that you can offer a unique solution to. Sometimes that, and many times, that does align with how a VC would want to see things. But I think it's more important to get all of those aligned first rather than trying to optimize for exactly what a VC would want to see. Welcome into Studying Success. On this podcast, I interview investors and entrepreneurs who tell us about their life, the ins and outs of their industries, and the different ways that they have found success. Hi, Jamie. How are you? It's so great to have you on the podcast. Great to be here, Will. Thanks for having me. How was the move from D.C. to Utah? Oh, boy. It is a logistical challenge, but we are on the ground and happy, and school is starting back up, so we're moving on to the next thing. Life goes on. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Tell me about Bala Health. What is Bala Health? Yeah, yeah. It's a digital nutrition platform that helps people discover their individual trigger foods so they can eat more of the good things and avoid the bad ones. And that helps them, ultimately, all of our users feel better either through improved digestion, more energy, better sleep. And how did you come up with this idea? This is a classic example of solving my own problem. (laughs) So my career has spanned uh, the investment side, working for investment firms. Then I went into software And along the way, I struggled with certain parts of my health, including skin allergies, as well as being lactose intolerant. And as I tried to solve those problems myself, I realized that there was a more effective way to do that through software and digital solution. And so I built that for myself, then shared it with my family, then shared it with some other friends and realized that there are other people that were looking for a solution, just like I was, to some of their health problems. How did you build this solution? What platform did you use? This is one of the great things I think about this certain time for anyone who wants to start a business, this growth in no-code tools. I particularly don't have any programming or coding background, but it allows an individual like myself with no skills to go on and build a prototype, an MVP, a minimum viable product. might not be the most sophisticated thing, but it allows you to build that prototype and make it functional and get it out into the world for people to use. So I think that is a uh, historically has been a very a high barrier to entry for starting a business if it's going to be technology oriented. So it's a relational database, online relational database tool where I organize all of my data and my content and it has logic and very sophisticated functions that can present that data and manipulate it in a bunch of different ways. And I was able to build the very first version of that myself just to prove that I could do it. And once I did do that and prove that, I was then able to then find other individuals through certain websites who had much deeper expertise in it and could build that out. So if I was able to build a product to get to first base, I actually am in a great position to then figure out who could help me get this to, you know, all the way around the bases. And that's a website called Upwork, where you have a lot of gig workers around the world who advertise their expertise. And so that's how I found some great individuals to help me build my vision. And what data specifically did you use? Like, where are you getting this data from? Yeah, it's a great question. It's stepping back a bit. So I had some of these health problems and I would have to go back to actually my wife for pushing me to not just accept them. And I was masking them with some over-the-counter pills and I'd been taking those pills for 20 years. 
she pushed me to actually find an individual, a health practitioner who had a protocol, an approach, a methodology to eat certain foods to relieve symptoms. So I went and saw that individual. I thought it was a tremendous experience. My symptoms, specifically lactose intolerance and hives, disappeared within two weeks of seeing her. And I thought it was a spectacular experience, but I actually wanted to digitize it. So that woman is actually my business partner in this whole venture. So the content and the data and the methodology and the know-how is something that she had been developing through her in-person practice for 20 years. And I built that digital solution to help get it to many, many, many more people. And when you showed it to your friends and family, this new solution, what did they say? Were they immediately saying like, oh my gosh, this could solve all my problems or did something else happen? What was happening there? Yeah, it's a really funny question because when you put something in front of friends, they really want to believe in you. And so for any entrepreneur who is going out trying to start something, the most logical place to start is with your friends and family. You have to have a little bit of skepticism with what they say, but you also really want to figure out, hey, and what I'm building, can it actually solve their problem? And so if you're able to cut through some of the ray-rah, I was able to line in on the fact that, okay, great, this person has trouble sleeping. You know, Take our assessment on Bala Health follow our food protocols, and your sleep improves. So the initial reaction was supportive. Hey, that sounds interesting, but ultimately it needs to be grounded in in outcomes. So it's important to use friends and family to validate an idea, but you ultimately do have to make sure they aren't just cheerleaders and you're really solving a problem for them. Yeah. After going to friends and family and seeing some confirmation that this was something that would be of use... Did you go and try to do further evaluation to evade what you said, them being your cheerleaders? Absolutely. Yeah, I think in kind of in terms of small little circle, you have your friends and families, individuals that you can put forth a product that you're probably embarrassed about, right? Because the key is to get something out in the live and the wild for people to interact with, to share feedback on. And then the next step is might be a friend of a friend. So I used my own networks, either via professional networks like LinkedIn, social media, to attract individuals, asking them a little bit to do a favor, not charging them, but asking them to be a discerning user and share feedback. And in return, I would be giving them access to the tool, which carries some value. And it clearly stated that, hey, if you follow this, you will feel better. So I moved from friends and family to maybe some old acquaintances at jobs to then it was a friend of a friend who I might not know. However, I have a little bit of trust by virtue of our common friend. So it's a great way to go out and test a hypothesis, test how a product works, get that feedback. So then you can decide, hey, I'm going to run really hard at this. I've narrowed in on a product that really works. Or, hey, I need to go back to the drawing board and tweak this. Were you working this whole time? Like, did you have to do work on this idea and validate it while working and having another full-time job? Or were you completely open? What was happening? So it started off the nights and weekends. So, you know, well, like I never dreamed of when I was younger being an entrepreneur. It just wasn't in my DNA. I wanted to do impactful things, fun things, work hard, but also 
also play hard and work with great people. But in my head, it was never like, I need to go start a business. For me, as I was working in my job at that time, it was at a venture-backed startup in education technology. I was working kind of nights and weekends on this. Again, just solving my own problem. How can I build a digital platform that can help people find their trigger foods so that they can feel better? It was really around when COVID hit, which is around the time when we all had a moment of pause and reflection where I looked and said, hey, I've got some feedback from the market here. This could be really interesting. Is this the point where I can kind of jump and commit? And it took a couple of months for me to figure that out. Fast forwarding into 2020, that's where a lot of that trade-off was happening. And then going into 2021 was really all about incorporation and committing whole hog to this idea. So you had the validation or you had most of it. You were going to friends, friends of friends, family, everyone. Where did you go from there? Did you immediately try to start working on the real product? Did you raise money? What did you do? What I really wanted to figure out was what kind of, and I'll use an analogy, is what kind of car I had. So the business itself, I saw the macro statistics behind how unhealthy the U.S. population is and how it was getting worse. There was also a lot of emerging research around gut health and the importance of that to your overall well-being. And once I was looking at kind of the macro statistics that, hey, this is a growing, interesting, dynamic area. And then I had just a simple MVP that was able to produce an attractive outcome for other people. I had to get the word out. So I stayed with my MVP at that time, which was uh, functional, not quite lovable, but very functional. Put up the website and started to work on distribution myself. So the whole approach was being a little bit cautious, not immediately going out to raise money because I, I wasn't sure that I actually had the winning product just yet. But I wanted to go out and prove that I could bring on 100 people onto this product and get great kinds of feedback and deliver the desired outcomes before then I said, hey, all right, let's go raise money. And so for myself, you know, this is really a phase of going from zero to one, trying to build something that didn't exist before and figuring out, do I have on my hands as a business, is this a, a Honda car? Is this a Maserati or is this a Ferrari? Once you have an idea of what that is, then you can figure out what kind of fuel to put in it. Putting jet fuel into a Honda, I'd say venture is jet fuel, would blow up the Honda. And having you know 87 octane in your jet is probably not ideal either. So a little bit more bootstrap, cautious approach to product discovery and kind of product validation. So really want to try to nail that first and then I'm looking to scale. And I'm still in that process, Will, right now of trying to nail that product experience. How are you reaching your customers? Social media is a great thing. So I'm trying to harness the network I have both on LinkedIn, Twitter. I try not to go too expansive and trying multiple social media channels because I think it starts to dilute itself. And then also, you know, word of mouth is really important. So if you can deliver an outcome that is valuable to one of your initial users and they are able to recommend or share that, whether that truly is on a face-to-face -face interaction or via social media, that can really help you get to at least my initial goal of getting to 100 users. Ultimately, always thinking of, okay, how do I get to 1,000? How do I get to 100,000? How do I get to a million? But I think if you can amplify individual recommendations from your users and combine that with putting out 
content that individuals can interact with on social media, it's a great way to hone in on how you're going to attract users and customers. I'm pretty sure that now there's tons of different health services similar to yours that provide advice on how to eat. How do you view these competitors and what makes your business strategic with them? The way that I think about it is that there's a large market with a lot of alternatives out there. Right now, you have about six in 10 US adults, well over 100 million individuals, I think it's 150 million individuals that have a chronic disease. So that's kind of diabetes, heart disease. And there are lots of different solutions that will fit that very large market. I believe that there is a portion of that market, a segment of that market that desires Uh, personalized nutrition without having to go see an in-person nutritionist or having to take expensive diagnostic tests that take a long time for the results to show. I think that's one kind of way that I would look at substitutes or alternatives to our product and how we're different. I think the other aspect is we bring some core principles of epigenetics, uh, nutritional epigenetics and functional nutrition into our methodology. And that is different from a lot of other solutions there. I think the what of that matters a little bit less for this, although we can certainly jump into that. But those are kind of new emerging areas where there's some new research coming out highlighting the importance of genes and how they react to certain foods that you eat and consume every day. Do you think your investing background helped at all with running and starting Bala Health? I think it is both a benefit and a curse. I think it's been tremendously helpful having been on the other side of the table and knowing what individuals may want to see. I think the counter argument to that is you really shouldn't build a company to what a VC would want. I think you really want to build a company that you or a product that you are really passionate about, that you believe that you can offer a unique solution to. Sometimes that, and many times, that does align with how a VC would want to see things. But I think it's more important to get all of those aligned first rather than trying to optimize for exactly what a VC would want to see. Overall, I think it is a net positive. But sometimes if you do come from the industry, you're thinking more about pleasing VCs as opposed to making sure sure you're delivering value and a great outcome to your customers. Where is Bala Health right now? You're kind of working on the product, always making it better. Do you think you're close to having the final product or do you know what that could be? So my initial prototype that I built will hopefully never see the light of day. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's call let's call that version 0.5. I'm on version 1.0. The key thing that I want to figure out is how can I attract and retain my users before I go out and build out, let's say, Bala 2.0? So I am still at that MVP stage, something that can deliver value to a user along the way. As I gain more users, I'm getting more feedback on things that work and don't work well. I would say in the next couple months, looking ahead, I am thinking about how to build that next gen product that is a little bit more sophisticated and smooth. At this point, you know, I'm still in that MVP phase. It's important for, I think, your audience to think about who you're selling to. I have theses around who would be my buyers, but the more I can learn about them, I can tailor my language. I can tailor our marketing messages to their pain points and have a product and a message that resonates with them in a much more direct way. So I think there's a little bit of kind of customer discovery as well as the evolution of the product to come. So it sounds like you're focusing more on the consumer side 
and not as much on improving the product. What I would say is, well, exactly to that point, I have a B to C product at this point, a business to consumer product. Individuals would come to my website or click on content that I'm publishing, see our offering, buy it and use it. My view is though, I'm staying flexible on whether that would ultimately be the business model. Maybe there is a chance to package Bala as a corporate wellness program that other companies could purchase. Perhaps it's an opportunity to partner with a much larger company that brings distribution and users where we could be white labeled or slotted into their product to be a specific nutrition solution. I think that's a move or two down the road. What I want to do is prove that our product can deliver the stated outcomes that we have, that individuals are promoters of it after they use it, and that the product works as intended and people are willing to pay for it. It seems like your background is mainly B2B services. Do you think that in the future you would try to gravitate towards B2B so that that plays to your strengths? Or do you think just whatever is best for Bala Health? I would like to play to the strength. And I think that's a good lesson for a lot of your listeners. For me, it was the easiest way to gain users is to go the kind of B2C route initially. As I think about my problem and my challenge, I feel like I'm pretty well suited no matter what the channel is to be able to bring people in to help them feel better. So I'm staying flexible on that. I do have an ultimate bias, and I think there are multiple plays here, multiple steps to take, and I don't think that story is fully written in concrete yet at this point. And the great thing is, I think, if you are a student of the space, of any space, you'll be able to look across the landscape and say, hey, you know, at least in health, there are businesses that have succeeded from a business-to-consumer perspective, B2C. There are also a lot of successful wellness startups that have sold to businesses as part of the, the kind of overall wellness offering, whether mental health, physical, or even food. I think there's plenty of space to play. Back to the analogy we used earlier, do you think that at some point, this Ferrari that is Ball of Health will ever need the jet fuel of a VC or any sort of investment, or do you think you'll bootstrap it all the way? I am open to it right now. Ultimately, what that means is their growth. A VC, and I think it was Paul Graham who said this, venture is all about growth. As a little bit of a student of the space, I've seen some of these, let's say, more health and wellness apps grow deliberately and slowly over the first couple of years up until they nail that product and then put the foot on the gas. To me, I think it just needs to be a deliberate decision around the ability to deliver growth. And the only way that you have the, you know, the conviction of delivering growth is knowing how you'll grow and having kind of a formula for that. So that's what the, my discovery is at this point. I think the moment that I'm really able to identify that growth formula, if it's big enough, then I, I absolutely, I think you go for the venture raise and it is a means to an end. And I think that can be an amazing thing. If you're uncertain about it and you raise venture money, it can be a tough time. So there are no certainties and you shouldn't wait to get 99% of the answer because you'll never, ever get started. But for me, you know, I think it is a venture backable idea. I'm just not just there just yet. And so I'm happy to bootstrap it up until then. It seems like you're doing a ton of research on all the different companies within the health field. You talked about how some companies are bootstrapping for the first two to three years and how many companies do B2B services. 
How do you view researching the market in terms of how that can help your company? I think about it, I guess it's part of my background, but I think also both for myself, but also if you were to raise money, the individual on the other side of the table wants to believe that you have an idea of how the market you're addressing will evolve and what the various players will do. So to me, not only do I enjoy looking at a market map and figuring out who's competing and how they're competing and what might happen in five years, but I also think it is important for informing your growth strategy, you know, how you plan to grow and how you plan to compete and how you plan to win. I enjoy that. I would just caution you don't want to do analysis paralysis you still have to ship the version 0.5 that you're a little bit embarrassed about because your product needs to be out there in the wild and people need to give you real feedback. Having a deep vision but no users doesn't really give you much. I think earlier you mentioned a great book by Peter Thiel called Zero to One when you talked about Ball of Health. Do you have any books or podcasts or blogs or essays that you would recommend to learn about entrepreneurship and business and investing or whatever it may be. Absolutely. I typically read more about health and then I do more on the investing and kind of venture and entrepreneurial jury on podcasts. So I guess I'll just stick on podcasts. And I think the good thing is about podcasts is most people that are on podcasts have typically written something good. It can start off, you know, going down the kind of rabbit hole in that individual. I'd say anything kind of topical, current event, venture, is the all-in pod. I think probably a lot of your users probably already know about. I think all things startup, Y Combinator puts out a lot of how-tos and they have great content. And Y Combinator, is they've produced, I don't even know how many unicorns they've produced now, but a great resource on how to build, distribute, and scale businesses. On the product side, I've really enjoyed, and this is probably a little bit more niche, is a podcast called Lenny's Podcast. Lenny, his last name is, I think it's Rachitsky, but he was at Airbnb for a number of years and he goes real in-depth on product and takes a real intellectual view on things. He also has a newsletter, so I'd check that out if you're interested in product. Some more broad-based ones are The Knowledge Project by this guy Shane Parrish, and that's more around thinking and kind of developing systems from individuals that have already done all the work for you. So it's a great podcast to jump in and out of. And then say once you're in actually in the building phase, there's kind of emotion and psychology, which we had talked about a little bit before managing yourself. And there's a fun podcast called Reboot Podcast by Jerry Colonna. And it kind of goes into some of the more softer sides of being a founder and how you manage that. So those are just some resources maybe for some of your users to check out maybe some lesser known ones. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much. I learned so much from you today. This is awesome. I appreciate it, Will. Thanks so much much for having me on. This is a lot of fun. As always, thank you for listening and please make sure you subscribe to get updated when new podcasts come out. I'm Will Burkhart and you've been listening to Studying Success.